And now, on with the show. All right, everybody, welcome to the second episode of Weekend Watch. Um, changing the name this week. Uh, I'm going to shorten it a little, make it a little more streamlined. Uh, hopefully, everything will work out. Coming to you today is Spencer, um, Keith, and David. Say hi, guys. What's up, hi, guys? Uh, we want to go over some movie recommendations for you this weekend. Um, kind of a good way to avoid sitting on the couch and wasting an hour and a half trying to find something to watch in your precious free time. So uh, just as a, before we get into our recommendations, um, what have you guys been watching this week? Just, uh, I don't need any recommendations. We don't need to go into depth in it right now, but just want to kind of hear, what, what have you guys been spending your week watching? We've been going through Brooklyn Nine-Nine again. That's kind of one of my background shows where we've seen it a couple of times through, probably here and there, just kind of spotty episodes. Like one time all the way through, just because we binged it. It's a fucking hilarious show if you haven't seen it. So it's a great background where where me and my wife can sit on the on the bed and talk or or look at our phones or whatever. That's awesome. I um being not from that generation, it took me a long time to realize that Andre Brower, the uh the captain of nine nine, the actor, yeah. was also in a, a serious cop show in the nineties. Oh really? Which one? I can't remember the name of it. Uh, let's see here. Hold on. David, what have you been watching this week? This week I've just been slowly making my way through avatar still with my girlfriend um then during the days uh her sisters are watching a lot of queer eye the new netflix version of queer eye which uh, is a little bit too, oh yeah my wife my wife loves that I mean, show yeah, it's <clears throat> it's a little too wholesome a little bit too um i guess i'll say one of my favorite sayings is rainbows and puppy fucks but it's a little too appropriate in this situation <laughs> <laughs> um it's it's a nice show if if you're looking for something like a rather wholesome that's a good one. yeah just kind of put it on in the background especially for you while they're watching it no big deal yeah yeah well and thumbs up on the avatar because that was on our recommendations last week great show yeah, yeah for sure uh andre brower was in homicide life on the street which was one of the first like cop shows yeah i just pulled that oh, up wow. too like it's fantastic it ran 93 to 98 yeah i never watched it uh, but that is the the face he's making on this i'm sure it it, it is serious for this show but it's such a, a captain holt face that he's making that i can't <laughs> but laugh at the cover of this cover art i've heard he just like took that character and turned it into a caricature for brooklyn 99 and it totally works it is so good he's he's i don't know every character is is so great uh Boyle and rosa and i mean see even some of the minor characters like doug judy yeah but, uh <laughs> holt is just he's an amazing character he makes the show a lot of the episodes another funny um sort of back in the day reference me and my girlfriend just finished watching Community, and uh, we made it through the last season. And um, then we were over at a friend's house, and The Thing was on. And I pointed out Keith David because he's in the last season of Community. And I was like, "Hey, that's, that's that guy." And he he looks <laughs> that guy. It's a little bit hard to recognize because he's quite a bit older in Community than he is in The Thing. But it's just yep. funny that coincidence. Just little stuff that pops up like that. It's always good looking yeah. at connections. Uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, Star Wars Rebels. Like I finished oh, yeah. the Clone Wars a few weeks ago, my recommendation last week, and um, I moved on to Star Wars Rebels, and um, just been binging that. Like, type my reports from work when I get home, and 
have that on the other monitor. Uh, it's just a good way to kill time. That's on my list of things that I need to to watch solo. You know, the wife she likes Star Wars, uh, but the Clone Wars and Rebels are a little beyond what she actually wants to get into with the Star Wars world. So that's understandable. I've I've got to I've got to do those solo, and sometimes it's hard to find that time. So Rebels is definitely on my list of that because I I hear it continues some of the Ahsoka story, and with her being rumored of, or uh, is it confirmed that she'll be a Mandalorian season two? That's what uh, I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to catch up on that story as well. Yeah, definitely a nice burgeoning, like I said, side universe. Yeah. It's hilarious to the movies. It's fantastic. But I want to get into our recommendations for the week. I want to kick it off with one of my new favorite horror movies. It's available on Netflix and it's Green Room. Oh, yeah. I'll just jump in with the synopsis. Uh, Green Room is a brilliantly crafted and wickedly funny horror thriller starring Patrick Stewart as a diabolical club owner who squares off against an unsuspecting but resilient young punk band. Down on their their luck, punk rockers, the Ain't Rights, are finishing up a long and unsuccessful tour and are about to call it quits when they get an unexpected booking at an isolated, rundown club deep in the backwoods of Oregon. What seems merely to be a third-rate gig escalates into something much more sinister when they witness an act of violence backstage that they weren't meant to see. Now trapped backstage, they must face off against the club's depraved owner, played by Patrick Stewart, a man who will do anything to protect the secrets of his nefarious enterprise. Pretty well received, it's 91% critics rating, certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 75% audience score. I could definitely see how this movie is not for everyone. Yeah. It's brutally violent. It's it, it caught me off guard because the beginning didn't feel that way. It didn't feel like it was going to take that route. I, then again, it is in the punk rock scene. But yeah, then then it started popping off with some of the some of the gore and violence was it was there. Right. Yeah, and I don't I don't want I don't ever want to get too much into spoilers, um, you know, on the show. But it's you know pretty immediate. You find out there the Patrick Stewart plays a the leader of a neo Nazi gang essentially who owns this bar where all these other neo-Nazis hang out. And he put in a fantastic performance. Man, you, you don't usually see him doing stuff like this, where he, he's this dark, but he was so eerie. He was so creepy um, that I, I, he just kind of shined through. He was, he was really good in this role. Yeah, and it, it star, it's the last film starring Anton Yelchin before he passed away. You know him from the... the the new Star Trek movies. His check out. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was the last movie he went in. There too. I'd yeah, no him. kidding. And again, it was like out of the blue, not kind of typical to what I've seen him in anyway. Right. Um, he was an alpha dog, so I guess it's not entirely out of character for him he to play that kind of character. Pretty but young in that movie. Yeah, Alpha Dog's 2006. Yeah. Uh, Green Room's def- directed by Jeremy Saulnier, who's a pretty up and coming horror director. He had a really obscure uh, horror, like indie horror movie back in 07 called Murder Party. That is definitely yeah. worth a watch if you can find it. I haven't seen that. Is it on Shutter? maybe? I think it's on, I, I think I watched it on Prime Video. Okay. Uh, it's definitely worth looking into. Um, Blue Ruin is his mo- is, was the movie that preceded Green Room. And it's very much in the same, the same vibe, the same tone as Green Room, kind of... Um, just more, I would say, call it, we call it more sun scorched, but definitely a good movie. And he did Hold the Dark on Netflix a couple of years ago with um, Alexander Skarsgård, uh, Jeffrey okay, Wright. Yeah, I've seen that one. I haven't watched it. I haven't, uh, but I've seen it pop up on my list a few times. 
Yeah, definitely worth a watch too. Very good horror director. I really enjoy his stuff. Definitely one to keep an eye out on. But uh, Green Room, like I said, fantastic movie. If you're into the punk scene, if you're into counterculture movies, horror movies, thrillers, uh, it is a bit violent, like I said. It is. And there's there's that that hate side of it. Like, don't watch this if you if you get easily offended because there's a lot of uh hateful stuff in there and and it is gory like not just violent there is some gore to it when um it it took me by surprise like i said i didn't see that really coming but it didn't put me off to the movie too it just added a it added to the the evil characters of this this movie just how brutal they actually were right and i think it's important not to like you said if you're offended by the hate speech and stuff like that i think it's important not to necessarily try to shield yourself from that kind of thing because it does give you a a window into you know it's not a documentary or anything but it gives you kind of the insight into the minds of these people that that we really should be trying to to combat more i know i i watched this with my wife this isn't usually her style but she decided to to watch this with me as well and you know she gets pretty anxious through these things but as we were watching it she looks at me and she's like i think we need to watch american history x again you know some of those uncomfortable movies that every once in a while you got to revisit to just realize how real some of this stuff is and how apparent it is even to that's an old movie too, but it carries over over very well into what's happening today. Right. You could even think of it like the, the horror version of American history X as far as themes and everything that goes through it. Plus, you know, even aside from the, the window into, into hate groups and hate ideology, you also get a nice little, um, you get a nice window into the underground punks. Yeah, it was it was pretty fun to watch that kind of spill out. You know, um, that's not that's not my group. I, I'm more of a metalhead, but you know, it's definitely interesting to see. And I was friends with a lot of punkers in high school and after high school, and and there's some of the uh, some of the guys I knew were some of the nicest, sweetest people on the planet, and they just they do get a bad rap. Some of like some of the metalheads do as well, and it's because of people like this that are in the scene that that take uh, a message that a band's putting out in a completely different light and they they use it for their hate and it's pretty fucked up yeah for sure so uh definitely a good movie like i said if you're into horror you want to get a nice window into a couple of different countercultures that you might not be interested in you might not be as aware of as you know i certainly wasn't as much so definitely a recommend for me yeah i'll i'll give a thumbs up on that one too i'm definitely gonna have to check that one out definitely you'll enjoy it it very much like yeah i think you would really like this movie that that's that's something it'll make you mad make you want to make you want to punch some nazis yeah don't don't punch things in your house <laughs> yeah if you're gonna punch something in your house bring a nazi over first i i don't yeah i don't tend to keep nazis around anymore anymore <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay Sorry, we're not editing that out either go ahead <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're let it run let that one edit run. podcast this is live right yeah yeah. Okay. David, hit me. What, 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 um, do you, what do you got? I I was feeling a touch of nostalgia this week, uh, and I thought I would go back and revisit The Abyss. Um, I remember. I, I mean, I haven't seen this movie since I was a very small child. I remember being grossed by not just the, the amazing cinematography, but the the sort of very oppressive atmosphere. But you know, having grown up, being able to appreciate it, it has some amazing character development. Uh, the story is just kind of mind bending. 
Synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes is, The crew of an experimental high-tech submersible is called into action to investigate a mysterious nuclear submarine crash. A series of strange encounters leads the crew to suspect the accident was caused by an extraterrestrial craft and that they may be participating in an encounter Lian species. However, in order to make contact, they must not only brave the abyss, an exceedingly deep underwater canyon, but also deal with the violent actions of one of their own crew members, an increasingly paranoid Navy SEAL officer. So this movie came out in 1989. It's uh, got an 89% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, 83% audience score. And I feel like this is, um, I mean, one of Cameron's best. It's It just... It's an amazing movie, start to finish. I think it's one of those much was uh, much must see movies, much must watch movies out there. Sorry, I got must it. much watch. Yeah, <laughs> but must you, much watch. This is one of those movies that if you don't see this in your life, then then you are missing out because this is one of the greats. Yeah, I agree. And this is one I have not revisited in a fucking long time. Me is too. This, and right, is there a scene with like? It's been so long. I get these underwater movies confused. Is there a scene in this movie where they're like exploring some crashed ship on the bottom of the ocean and like it's so big that it has its own atmosphere? Does that sound familiar to anybody? I'm not right. <laughs> All right. You just watched it, yeah. so I don't know. <laughs> um it, I need to revisit it too, so I don't I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean some of the I mean iconic scenes I've I I the iconic scenes that stand out to me most are the scene with Ed Harris, where he's standing, he's in that suit and he's it, it's filling up with that like liquid oxygen, and he's like hyperventilating because it's filling up with a liquid. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I'm with you. I remember. That. And then yeah. the other the scene where that entity, that like water entity, comes up out of the uh, out of the loading bay and is standing face to face with not standing face to face, it's like projecting face to face with uh, Mary Elizabeth Monstrantino. Um, it's it's got a few uh very uh, iconic scenes in it but i don't recall the all right so i'm uh, thinking of a <laughs> it's one of those movies you know where, like you, you have like a fleeting memory of a scene and you can't yeah. for the life of you remember where you saw it yeah yeah it's been on the tip of my tongue for like 20 years i can't recall this movie anyway the abyss <laughs> i do remember the abyss after you mentioned the ed harris so yes that is a fantastic movie as well well uh, he delivers such a, a a great performance throughout this movie. I I I need to go back and watch it again. It's been years, but one thing I do remember is he's he's captivating throughout the whole time. Yeah, when the hell is, isn't Ed Harris an amazing actor? I, yeah, I can't true. think of a single thing that I've seen him. He just didn't. Uh, he was he was the actor. shining star in The Rock. <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing movie all around. Are you gonna take? Are you gonna just like do Nicolas Cage in like that? Or? <laughs> We're going to talk about Nicolas Cage. That movie stars the <laughs> legend Sean Connery. I mean, yes, you are you are correct, but I mean, Nick Cage, man, the memes alone. Welcome to the. <laughs> All right, David, you got anything else you want to tell us about the Abyss? Uh, go watch it. All right, that's synced enough for me. <laughs> Keith. All right. Well, uh, we got our HBO Max up and going, and one of my favorite things about HBO Max is the DC. So I'm leaning hard on DC today. You know, we get we get a lot of Marvel movies out, and they're the the big ones, and we kind of forget about the good DC movies because there's so many bad ones. So I, I got to bring a couple of them up here. First one has to be Joker, 2019. Obviously, you guys probably know why I'm picking this movie. It is it, it was just 
really great to watch. It is it's pretty dark. It got a 68% critic review on Rotten Tomatoes, but an 88 audience review. There's a lot of uh, memes around this one, too, with the uh, the incel crowd and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, what is that? I don't understand. Like, I wa- we watched the same movie, yet somehow yeah, I, I, everyone I, who's I, normal came to the conclusion that you're not supposed to be rooting for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't get it either, but uh, <laughs> this, this is actually a good movie. I don't think it was just for the incel crowd. Uh, <laughs> Joker, uh, I'll give you the, the bit of synopsis that they had up on Rotten Tomatoes. Joker centers around the iconic arch nemesis uh, and is an original standalone fictional story not seen before on the big screen. Phillips' exploration of Arthur Fleck, who is uh, portrayed by... Joaquin Phoenix, who delivers an amazing performance throughout this whole thing. I love Joaquin Phoenix. He's gone a little crazy over the years, but damn, I'll be damned if he's not an amazing actor. Uh, he's a man struggling to find his way in Gotham's fractured society. A clown for hire by day, he aspires to be a stand-up comic at night, but finds the jokes always seem to be on him. Uh, caught in a cyclical existence between apathy and cruelty, Arthur makes one bad decision that brings about a certain chain reaction of escalating events in his gritty character study. He just puts on Joaquin Phoenix just just makes such a good show and brings a great light to um, to some mental illness problems in in today's society. It's not just Gotham, a fake city, but he brings about some some good stuff. He delivered such a performance that I was really moved by it. Like I I, I was floored by him. Yeah, I, I thought it was fantastic. The way that mental illness was captured was was spot on. I thought. Yeah, I mean he he the direction, the cinematography, the I don't know, just the story, the flow of the story was all there. It, they did a, a great job. I was really surprised i didn't realize for the longest time that todd phillips was the director yeah todd phillips of the hangover of, of war dogs of old school road right. trip all those like some some of my frat movies you know yeah and some of my favorites too like old yeah. school old school is one of my jams i go back to that one every couple of years and it still makes me just roll i love that movie and you watch Joker, and yeah, you you do. There's no similarities. It's interestingly enough, I um, I didn't realize that back in 19- his first movie was a documentary on Gigi Allen. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, <laughs> wow. like right. Bo- I think he was making it right before Gigi died. Yeah, but, I uh, that one back to the yeah, right. It's hard to find. I can't find a copy of it anywhere. But uh, as far as the Joker goes, my I think my favorite my favorite part of the Joker was was the the tension that he built really well leading up to that final scene or in the final scene. Again, I don't want to give anything away, but I thought Robert De Niro stole the show in that, in that final, that final scene. He's incredible. He, he gets up there and I didn't even know he was in this movie. Honestly, I didn't really watch a whole lot of, I, I literally, this was the first time I see, seen this movie. I didn't go to, to it in theaters. I, I don't know. It just kind of slipped by my, uh, and I knew everybody, was loving it and yet it's still i was waiting for something like hbo max and i didn't even know de niro was in it and yeah like all of a sudden he's he's this character that you know he's he's a very recognizable character yeah it kind of came out of nowhere i was the same way i didn't go check it out in theaters because 
that was all that. It was pretty controversial at the time, like when it was released, but like, these warring factions of like incels and you know that whole thing online with that with the movie. But yeah, um, even when it was getting good reviews, I just wound. Up, it was one of those ones I meant to go see and never did, and I wound up picking it up on 4K on Blu-ray. I think it was during a Black Friday sale, but recently watched it for the first time. It sat on the shelf for a few months. It's definitely worth a watch. Did you did you see this one, David? Either in theaters or otherwise? I've missed out on this one so far. It's definitely one that I um, yeah. I think you'd really like it because I know you are a pretty big DC fan too, and Batman yeah. and, and and everything. Uh, some of those movies have the Batman movies have been some of them been great. You know, the Nolan films are the trilogies fucking amazing but yeah i thought it was the older ones michael keaton and stuff they're timeless but uh some of them have not hit the mark some of the more recent ones um and they're not terrible but you know being in the same universe i think you'd really really appreciate watching um joker and seeing this kind of story that they put together and it, it reminded me there was something you told me a while ago i don't remember exactly what you said but it was something how pretty much every Joker story is basically canon. And there's a quote that Joker has where he's like, he prefers his background to be multiple choice. So literally every story you hear about Joker is real. Yeah. It was this fan theory that I read just sort of trolling the internet one, one time it was um, the something along the lines of the Joker isn't insane. He's hyper sane. He's, he's very much aware that he is inside of a comic book and that his actions don't mean anything. Um, and so since he is aware that he's in a comic book, he's aware that comic books written by different producers, uh, have different origins. You know, they're from, uh, we sort of see them as being different universes. So his origin is every time he tells that story, if you want to know how I got these scars or, um, the Jack Napier, uh, origin, uh, back from Batman. Michael Keaton's Batman. Yeah. Right. Um, these are all these are all actual origins of his because he knows that they're all different versions of him. And wasn't it the dark night uh, where he kept telling a different story every time he asked somebody, you want to know how yeah. I got these scars? Yeah. 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 I think there was a pretty similar play in, in the graphic novel, the killing joke, right? Right. Right. And I think that's where the quote where, where he said, I prefer my, my background or my history to be multiple choice. Like it's, it's all like he, it's whatever he decides. It's, it's, that's, what makes the Joker the Joker a lot of the time? Um, that's part of his crazy. Yeah, yeah, great but movie. Yeah. Great suggestion. Uh, the twenty, uh, the two thousand nineteen movie was was a big hit, and it was for a reason. I think you should you should go check it out. It is is definitely one to watch. Do you want to? I know your other uh, recommendation was in the DC universe as well. Do you want to hop in on that? Just keep it rolling. Yeah, definitely. Um, I watched this one a while back and a buddy had told me about it uh, and I didn't really believe him that it was going to be that good, but it's Shazam. I don't know if you guys watched <laughs> this 2019 movie, uh, got a 90% critic review and 82% audience review on Rotten Tomatoes. And it deserves all of that. One of the best DC movies around, if not the best and one of the best comic book movies, uh, like you put it up against some of these Marvel movies and I, it's going to beat some of them out. You know, I wasn't impressed with, with a good handful of Marvel movies and Shazam was a plus. It was great. I just enjoyed every second of it. It's got the, the wittiness, the, the goofiness of being a, a 14 year old in a, a 
superhero body and it, it was just so so good yeah i thought zachary levi was was fantastic yes this was one i caught in the theater me and my fiance went to see it and she's not a big superhero movie fan either but the trailer sold it so well as like a, a superhero movie for you know normal people for lack of a better word right but you know the people who aren't necessarily into comics and, and you know diehard fans and god we both loved it so much yeah the, uh, it, it's just it, fun it didn't take itself seriously it was yeah it's fun it was really fun and and it still has those like superhero aspects but like okay i'll, I'll read you some of the synopsis I, I won't go through the whole thing it's pretty long but it it uh has billy uh baston batson um and hold on hold on i i'm reading too many things at one time okay so this 14 year old kid he's like this street kid he goes out and um he's very streetwise very smart kid and he gets called upon by this like wizard to to be god basically uh turns it down and just hilarity ensues afterwards he he yells shazam and he can turn into a fully grown superhero with all sorts of powers he and his buddies are trying to figure out what powers he has how he can do them and it is just uh, it's fun again i gotta use that same same word yeah i think that's probably the best description it, it was just pure fun it was heartwarming you know it had some nice you know it was very i would call it family friendly i think it was i, don't, I can't remember what the rating PG-13. was it was pg-13 yeah so yeah. It's, it's a nice a nice family movie it's not gonna offend anybody had some nice action didn't take itself too seriously. I, I loved it. Yeah. Watching watching a Superman-esque superhero just with the mind of a 14-year-old was was hilarious. It was yeah. really, really fucking great. And that's on HBO Max too, right? Yeah, that's that's another HBO Max. Uh, most of these DC movies you'll be able to catch there because they've got their full DC section. Awesome. Cool. Um, David, did you, did you catch Shazam? I haven't yet. That's yet, yet another one that's got, gone under my radar. Um, yeah. But I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. And I, um, what's the name of, of the, that actor, the guy from Chuck? Zachary Levi. Yeah. Zach, he's just such a f- goofy actor. Like and he, he was so good in this. It honestly, uh, it reminded me of Chuck. Yeah. Kind of a little bit. Yeah. And I think this is one that you would absolutely love as well, David. Um, and, and you and, and your girlfriend and stuff with all the kids around they would definitely very much enjoy this film as well. I think I just haven't made DC movies a priority because DC movies are so consistent. I agree. And so, that's exactly that's why I'm making, making this this little short list of of ones that aren't so terrible and actually pretty great. Like this one was was pretty yeah. it is it is high on my list of superhero movies. I think it was really awesome. All right. Let's move on. I wanted to recommend a show that uh, was originally aired on IFC, but now is available. I think the entire series now is available on Hulu, and that is Brockmire. Uh, I'm a huge baseball fan. Oh, yeah, me too. Pretty rough right now, sitting in almost July and having had no baseball this year. This show is a fantastic way to scratch that itch a little bit. Uh, just the premise here, Brockmire follows Jim Brockmire, a famed Major League Baseball announcer who suffers an embarrassing and very public meltdown on the air after discovering his beloved wife's serial infidelity. A decade later, he decides to reclaim his career and love life in a small town, calling minor league ball for the Morristown Fracker. So it basically follows this guy who was, like I said, a a major league announcer who 
was beloved by all the fans and everything. And, and one day comes in and just has this complete meltdown while calling the game. And he's got a silver tongue. So his melt- meltdown is just so perfectly timed, perfectly played. He's calling a baseball game at the same time. Right. He's, he keeps so calling good. the game, the play by play. And <laughs> definitely worth a watch. But like I said, he 10 years later, after this, this decade long downward spiral, he decides he wants to go and try to call ball again. So he gets he goes on to this like single A ball team in this tiny mining town in Pennsylvania. And I don't know how what else to say about this show. It, it stars Hank Azaria of Simpsons fame. And the show is definitely okay. not PG. It is TVMA. So expect a lot of uh you know vulgarity and sexual situations and everything. Uh so if you're into that kind of adult humor, even if you're not a baseball fan, it's worth watching. I agree. The baseball aspect is there and the minor league league aspect of that baseball world too. Um, and so it does scratch that itch, but the, the funny side of it doesn't, isn't all like baseball jokes or or anything like that. No, right. You don't have to be a baseball fan to, to get the show. Right. He puts on such an amazing show too. Like I said, he's got a silver tongue. His voice is just captivating and it is really fun to watch. He's yeah. He's got that, that Southern drawl. Yeah. And it's dark too. These these dark, twisted stories. Yeah, yeah. In his ten years missing, um, he he's got a lot of background to him. And I've I've only gotten through a little bit of this show, and I really hope it holds up because there's what four seasons? Did you say? Um, Yeah. So I'm not even through the first season, but um, I really hope it it can hold the the charm that it has through through most of those seasons. Yeah, I, I finished the whole thing, and it really does. The, it does. The, yeah, the critic score is 98% on Rotten Tomato. Yeah. Uh, the audience score is 82%. My guess would be people who are just not that into baseball. Yeah, maybe or, so. Or vulgar comedy. It deserves that critic review too, though, because it's not just the like the jokes and stuff about it. It is, it is very well shot. It is uh, very well written. The cast is great. Uh, there's, there's a lot of aspects to this show that, that would catch a, a critic's eye for sure. And since you're only on the first season, I won't go too in depth, but I, I will say, keep watching it. The The character development throughout the whole show is really leads to a nice, satisfying conclusion. Well, yeah, it's, that's great to hear. It's only four seasons. It ended on a, a good note. It wasn't like, uh, you know, abruptly canceled or anything like that. So it got a nice conclusion. Uh, I, like I feel that. like the story wrapped up really well. Some of the best shows have have are are have short lifespans but they have the perfect endings i mean look at things like breaking bad and stuff like that yeah exactly cool um let's move on david all right my number two pick uh so looking at the reviews for this movie there's a little bit of uh some disagreement over its quality i thought it was a fantastic horror movie even if it did fall a little bit flat event horizon the reason that i wanted to to recommend event horizon revisiting event horizon right now is because uh i heard uh, I passed by a couple of rumors that we might be getting a sort of Snyder cut, an original director's cut of this movie. And I, just because it fell a little bit flat at the end, I would very much like to see a director's cut of this movie. So uh, synopsis on Rotten Tomatoes is uh, 
In this sci-fi slash horror scare fest, Dr. William Ware, Sam Neill, is a scientist who has designed a spacecraft called Event Horizon, which will explore the outer reaches of space past the planet Neptune. The ship employs a special transport mechanism that, in effect, creates a black hole that the ship can pass through, allowing it to travel tremendous distances in a few seconds. The Event Horizon mysteriously disappears in the midst of a mission with no trace of either the ship or its crew, but it reappears in Neptune's orbit after a seven-year absence, and it's sending out a distress signal. Um, it, it, it comes with a little bit of a horror twist at the end that I won't uh, give all the way away, but I, I thought that the build-up and the ambiance, again, in this we were something that most modern horror movies strive to achieve it uh sam neill lawrence fishburne give these performances that are just dread inducing um and i want like i said i want to revisit that that director's cut yeah i never i didn't hear about a i didn't hear about a snyder cut of that film so yeah that's new info to me for sure i'd be definitely definitely gonna have to revisit this movie i said rumors but i I would very much rumors that i'm very in i mean the the Snyder Cut seems to have a lot of different rumors. Like there's there's a bunch of rumored <laughs> Snyder Cuts going around, so some of them coming true. You gotta you gotta hold out. This was a Paul W. S. Anderson movie, who I've been a big fan of for a long time. Like for his, he's not again. He's one of those guys. He's not winning any Oscars, but he's making fantastic, like just fun movies. You know? Yeah. Like he did. He did Resident Evil. I think he's done all the Resident Evil movies, as far as I'm aware. He did the Death Race films. Uh, Alien versus Predator, definitely <laughs> not worth watching. I just I was rewatching all the Alien movies recently, and that one popped up on HBO Max, and I was like, "Oh, let's put that on." I I remember it being okay. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Don't watch it. But you know, not they can't all be winners, right? But yeah, he's he's made some some solid movies over the years, and he's actually making a film adaptation of the Monster Hunter video game series. Yeah, I heard about that coming out and it it interests me and him him doing it makes me even a little more interested now. I think I think that could be a cool take on it, you know, because there's a lot of whimsy and stuff in within those games and he might give it a little harder edge. I don't even care if they just like take the scene over from the game. That movie sure as shit better include cute little cat people. Huge piece before you go. Get, just like copy it straight over from the game. I don't care, but it needs to be in there. Yeah, I, don't don't do that because I want to see like a live action just table full of this food because the game makes it look so good. I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see live action. Don't CGI that part. CGI the cat people, whatever you got to do, but make the food and put it on the table because I got to see that shit. Cool. Um, so what I want to do now then is real quick, we're running out of time here, but I want to just touch on your guys' opinions on some stuff to avoid on, on streaming services out there. Nobody wants to waste, you know, their precious free time picking a movie sounds good. And then it turns out to be utter crap. So my installment this week is the action movie on Netflix, six underground starring, uh, Ryan Reynolds, who, he's that kind of actor who you feel like everything he does is fucking gold. And I do Until you watch some, some of his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> and I think the fact that it was directed by Michael Bay is all we really need to say about it. It's very much a Michael Bay action movie. And I, I should have known going in, but I, the plot makes not a whole lot of sense. It's about some, you know, criminals who have their deaths faked to become, you know, secret paramilitary guys trying to save the world. It's not worth watching. The, the, the action's bad. The film, the 
the story's forgettable. Just avoid it. I remember seeing this one pop up, and and I'm glad you're telling me this because I've always had it in the back of my head. It's like I gotta watch Ryan Reynolds do this movie. Like he can make it good, but if if he can't make it good, then it's just not good. You know, you gotta look back on like him playing Deadpool and when he was playing Deadpool in the the X Men movie, the Wolverine movie. You know, you can he didn't make that movie good, then that movie's not gonna be good. There's just certain movies you can't fix. So I'm glad I'm glad you told. Yeah, it, it just stands in such a stark contrast to Extraction, Netflix's other you know big budget action film that I talked about last week. That one absolutely watch. This one total avoid. Fair enough, will do. Uh, mine is is another HBO Max because it's another DC flick, and it is Justice League 2017. Forty percent critic review, seventy one percent audience review. Don't really believe that. I don't really know where those people are coming from because this movie wasn't really very good at all. My wife is very entertained by a lot of these movies and just just for the pure entertainment fact. And she we got a little bit into this and she was like, what? What is this? And it's like, we got to finish it. We got to get through it. There's there's other DC movies I want to see that are going to tie into this one. We have to watch it. And we forced it down. And I, I just got to say, don't do that. But this this comes with a double edged sword as well, because there is a, another Snyder cut that they say is coming out on HBO Max in 2021 of this movie, of Justice League. And if you really want to see the Snyder Cut, then you should probably watch, force this one down your throat to, to see the, the contrast between the two. Um, it's, it's very highly anticipated, the Snyder Cut. He originally directed the film, uh, but was forced to exit after a family emergency. Um, so Joss Whedon took over, and Whedon... Uh, reshot retooled the entire film snyder says it's only about a quarter of what he did um he also told the hollywood reporter it will be an entirely new thing uh, and it will it's, uh, it'll take those who have seen the actual release movie and give them a brand new experience for justice league so if if you're looking at seeing the snyder cut you should you should watch this movie otherwise if you have no interest in that don't watch it it's it's a must avoid yeah, I've been waiting for the Snyder Cut before I explore Justice League whatsoever. I'm just going to avoid the current available cut and just wait for that one. I heard they gave him like 20 or $30 million to finish it. That's what they're saying it, it's going to cost between his um, his edits and, and whatever reshoots he might have to do or something like that. And we don't know. Um, I've heard it might be a four-hour director's cut. Um, or it might be split into six different chapters. Since it's coming to HBO Max, we might be seeing something like a miniseries type thing. Uh, well, we don't really do know yet. Because I already sat through The Irishman this year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can sit down for four hours for a Justice League movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, but if you think this original version is going to be a fun watch, it's not. It's it's really just I, I don't know why they did the things they did. They they did very DC things. MUDC. I don't know what their issue has been. My avoid suggestion this week, uh, as I was scrolling through making my picks, um, one of the movies that popped up to me, Bird Box. I remember how hard this movie was hyped before release, and I remember being really excited to to watch it, um, and I fell asleep. And that pretty much uh, summarizes the entire mood of this movie. It sort of drags along. It is slow and doesn't engage and uh, doesn't really ever seem to pay off. Yeah, man, I was 
I was hyped for this movie too. Like, yeah, I, it sounded like such an interesting concept. Sandra Bullock's decent, and even the first few minutes grabbed my attention, and then it just kind of I don't know what happened. It just come, fell off a ledge. It just hits this brick wall, and it never gains its traction. Um, and that sucks because I thought Sandra Bullock didn't didn't have a terrible performance in it, but just no wheels under it. Like I like I said. Yeah, I haven't watched it, but I, I've seen a lot of memes. So I've <laughs> <laughs> been a ton of them. <laughs> the ending, I think, was really it, the ending really pissed me off. I fucking hated the ending. Again, I won't go into any details, but it it was such a letdown. Yeah, th- this isn't one that was is like super easy to make fun of, like the last Airbender live action flick, this or like Justice League. This is something that you know legit looked good and then just didn't follow through. Um, disappointing is the word for it. Yeah, it was disappointing. That's a really good, a really good way to describe it. Yeah, it's a bummer. Well, guys, you guys want to touch on anything else, or uh, is that about it for the week? I think that's what I got. I think I flapped my lips a little too much already. <laughs> that's all right. Just want to touch on you, bud. Fair enough. Get over here. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're remote still. <laughs> all right. So um, come check us out on our Discord server, Three uh, G One Up. You can find it in the show notes. You can find me on Twitter at Spencer underscore 3G1up. I am at uh, Jesus, H-E-Z-O-O-S, 1up. And I am at Spurgly. Perfect. So come check us out. Uh, Come talk with us about our movie choices. Give us some suggestions. And we will be back next week with some more recommendations. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Mm